Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. Welcome to our podcast where we cover business legal news. And my name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. What are we doing today? A podcast again? Another episode? Yeah. We can do something different if you want. No, that's fine. That's cool. Podcast is cool. A lot of people think today should be a national holiday, but hasn't really gained too much traction. Because Groundhog Day? Is that February 2nd? (laughs) Is it Groundhog Day? Oh, maybe it is. Oh, no, I was thinking the day after the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, February 2nd is uh, Groundhog Day, I believe. Is it? If I recall. Oh. oh, yeah, you're saying because of the Super Bowl. Well, this is the day after. So this is the day that everyone thinks should be a national holiday. I never really understood that because I don't see how it's different. It's just one football game. And on a lot of Sundays during the reg, I mean, I guess it's the biggest game of the year, but still it's one game and all you have to do is watch it and then that's it. So I was hoping maybe Groundhog Day would be a national holiday so that maybe technically it would be the case, but it doesn't look like it's a, uh, or I don't know what the definition is. At least banks aren't closed. I don't believe. So is today a Groundhog's Day? Yeah. February 2nd. Okay. We should just do the intro like 10 times in a row and have that be the episode. <laughs> loop it i love that movie yeah that's a great great cult classic i i guess it would be a cult classic because i don't i don't think it was like when it came out in theater it was, it was that great of a movie or didn't do that well yeah i mean you got a big that was big star in his prime so true but there was a lot of movies it was a weird time for movies where you could get a lot of big names and they might not translate into big movies i don't know like today if will, will smith opens a movie it's just like a blockbuster no matter what it is automatic yeah Well, you know, I have a secret for you, (laughs) and I don't know how to protect it. It's a trade secret, actually. Nice. Bad intro, but that's what we're going to talk about today (laughs) is protecting your trade secrets. And I think we've talked about, we've talked about this before to some extent, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. It seems to come up quite a bit. The reason, I mean, well, there's a few reasons why talking about today, but there was a recent case. We might have actually talked about this business before, too. So it's Enclosures, and that's a, obviously a lowercase n with a capital C, closures, as most people would think. Well, anyways, I'm not going to bore people with the, the details too much of the case, but essentially it came down to there was a breach of their, or at least enclosures believe there was a breach of their proprietary information, and it was kind of tied into this trade, the trade secrets that they have. And they had this other company who was part of the lawsuit, they had a confidentiality agreement with them, but the court actually determined that enclosures did not take reasonable steps to protect its information. And thus it kind of left its trade secrets out there in the open and its confidentiality agreement was not enforceable as a result of that. Enclosures did not require other employees or engineers to sign additional agreements. And this is with the the other party that's part of the lawsuit. So basically what it's saying is it didn't take the right steps to protect its trade secret as it should have. And even though it had this confidentiality agreement, we haven't seen what that actually says. So who knows how good or bad it was. But despite this confidentiality agreement, it's not valid because it didn't take the right steps to protect their trade secrets. So let's talk about trade secrets in general for a second. Trade secrets are actually a really cool encompassing protection that businesses can utilize to keep their confidential information secret. And this goes beyond just protecting intellectual property under a patent or a copyright or a trademark. It's actual information that you can keep from being disclosed by the public, by those that are familiar with the actual secret. 
there's a federal version. And then there's states also have their own local versions of the same Trade Secrets Uniform Act. And so it's definitely a great tool. But the problem is, is that most companies don't really know exactly how to utilize this. At least small businesses definitely do not in the way that it's designed, in the sense that sometimes people think that everything's a trade secret and because they call it a trade secret, now all of a sudden it is a trade secret. But like we've learned with this enclosures case, a trade secret in order for it to have those kind of protections requires certain elements. And and like I said, there's different laws in different states and different kind of subtleties to it. But in general, you can divide it into three parts. First, it has to be an actual secret. Okay, I'm going to make this very simple for you. <laughs> it has to be an actual secret. And then second, it actually has to have some kind of economic benefit or value. And then you have to go through some secret measure to actually maintain it as a secret. Those seem kind of basic, but take a look at it this way, is that and for the enclosures case, they may had some secret information that had some economic benefit, but they didn't do anything to actually protect it to such an extent that it actually lost its trade secret designation. And so the question is, what kind of measures do you put into effect to actually keep it a trade secret? Getting to your three points, I mean, the one and two, I think they'd covered, but it's the third one where they took some sort of measures to protect that secret. That was the issue. I mean, in the case, they didn't even mark what was confidential. Uh, the classic example is Coca-Cola. Yeah. They have their recipe, and I think it's two people that know it, and that's that, and they can't fly on the same plane together, blah, blah, blah. You know, if Coca-Cola just posted that online, you know, if so, one of the two guys just took a picture and put it on his Instagram, it's a secret and has economic benefit, but that's not really taking measures to protect that trade secret anymore. So I think it's the third one that really might get to people or might get to companies a lot of times. And like you said, with smaller businesses, it's tough because who do you disclose it to? And in an age where so many people seem to be jumping from company to company in short periods of time, I can see why you know, executives executives or owners are hesitant to disclose this information to employees because they might just take it and move on to you know the next job. I mean, sure, there's precautions you can put in place to stop that, but kind of at the same time, it just depends what it is. Like if it's a restaurant, a pizza place, and they have this trade secret for the best crust in town because the sauce is irrelevant. They move to another pizza place and there's this trade secret that was there in the first spot. But how do the businesses know that they're not just taking the same information and, and pulling it into the second location? <laughs> That's right. So what are, what are some ways that you can actually protect these trade secrets from being disseminated and, and actually going through that third step of implementing some security measures? First is this seems basic, but even this is lost. You literally do have to have an agreement with your employees or whoever else that they're going to keep this information confidential. There has to be a promise there. And after that, it has to be clear what information is actually being kept secret. And if that's the case, only the people that actually have a need to have some kind of use or utility of the secret should be exposed to it. So if you just give it to everyone in the company, is this really a secret or is this just a uh, kind of a public policy that you guys do and you're, you're calling it a trade secret or not. And so those are some things to keep in mind. And then lastly, labeling items or documents or data or information as confidential or trade secret goes to that next step of making sure that this is an adequate measure to keep the secret secret, so to speak. Yeah. And that's one of the problems that enclosures had is 
they just didn't mark some information as confidential and didn't really even take any precautions to lock it up or protect it by any means. Basically, they kind of just did everything wrong in terms of putting those protective measures in place. So that's a lesson learned for them. But I guess for, for smaller businesses too, it's it's the same thing. It's This is something that can relate to big business or small business. Just the bigger business, more people, and that's the more people you have to deal with. But another tip is when your employees leave, it's a good time in your exit interview to remind them what exactly they, they've signed as far as what they are supposed to keep confidential. Because keep in mind, if you actually do have a secret, right? Let's say you work for Coca-Cola and you know the secret formula and you're leaving, other prospective employers are going to want that information. And though it may be misappropriated if you disclose those trade secrets incorrectly, but once the trade secrets are, are given or exposed or made public, it's very hard to reverse that. So reminding your employees exactly what they've signed, what their promises are, and that goes along with other post-employment promises, whether it's a enforceable non-compete or a confidentiality agreement. How many times do we see, let's say we have a Texas employee that a non-compete may be enforceable, we'll send off a cease and desist and the employee will be like, oh yeah, I didn't realize I signed a non-compete. And that's actually pretty common and Don't let them use that kind of ignorance as an excuse when they're exiting. What's the one trade secret that you want to know? Gosh, that's a good question. Actually, I think the most sought secret online is the Google algorithm for search engine optimization. Because I think everyone tries to figure out what works. And I think to this day, they, they have a pretty good idea of how it all works. And they, they do change it. And even Google releases exactly how they determine it. And I think they change every time spammers or whoever starts to game, game the system and reverse engineer it. But I think that's a pretty well-kept secret as far as the algorithm goes. It's a nice nerdy answer. <laughs> I wonder how many people do you think know that? I bet it's actually quite a few. Know what? That they have one or? No, how many people know or privy to that algorithm? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it's definitely a very few because that's definitely very valuable information. But unfortunate for us, even if we knew everything, right? I mean, and I, like I said, I think a lot of people know a lot of the major factors there's some things that you can't game either. From what I understand, from a simplistic perspective, it's a list of like 100 plus different factors that have different weight. And what exactly those weights are and what exactly those factors are can somewhat be a mystery. I thought you'd go something more exciting like Twinkies, something cool. <laughs> Even ingredients like reverse engineering is not necessarily a violation of trade secrets. There may be some other issues that go along with that, but reverse engineering happens all the time. Yeah, I actually had a book as a kid where it was like it took all the fa- all these popular restaurants and reverse engineered all the like their main ingredients. I think Coca-Cola was even in there too. It's like this is how you can make Coca-Cola at home and we've come about as close as you can with how to create it. Yeah. Still not the same. So, not that I drink Coke, but if I did. <laughs> So let's see, our takeaway for today is if you have trade secrets, you need to take every measure to protect them. I think that's a pretty easy takeaway. Definitely. And we didn't focus on this too much, but identifying what trade secrets actually are. And I think sometimes people think that, you know, a customer list is automatically a trade secret or even their ingredients are automatically a trade secret. But if you list your ingredients in the packaging as required, then that might not be a trade secret. So it's it's more the process and 
certain things that go with it that may be the actual trade secret. Or with client lists, it may not actually be the names of the clients, but actually maybe the specific contact information or the likes or dislikes of the secretary of the CEO, right? Those are more trade secrets than rather just a customer list. But not to say that a customer list can't be a trade secret. I'm just saying that it's uh, typically more difficult to maintain that kind of protection for something like that. Yeah, everything you have isn't a trade secret, so. Exactly. This podcast is a trade secret. The trade secret is we don't tell people our ingenious way of recording. (laughs) If anyone was watching me, the setup I have to record, I don't think anyone would want to steal this. (laughs) No, it's horrible. He's literally using two laptops, iPad, and your cell phone, and a microphone. (laughs) Terrible. I can probably condense this down a little bit, but... People are probably wondering why we're doing that, but there is an explanation for each of those things, but next time that's a trade secret yeah next time all right thanks for joining us guys yep keep it sound keep it smart this has been the legally sound smart business show with your hosts nasser pasha and matt stop the legally sound smart business show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world legally sound smart business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current complete or up to date and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.